This is Cambridge Judge Business School's online knowledge centre with expert commentary, analysis and insights into the issues of the day. Raspberry Pi is a very small computer with the capabilities of a conventional device. It's also very cheap. There are two versions, one priced £16 and the other £22. Not surprisingly, this machine, the size of a credit card, has attracted a great deal of interest. It can be connected to a television and a keyboard and is capable of many desktop PC functions. It also plays high-definition video. Dr. Eben Upton is a founder and trustee of the Raspberry Pi Foundation, a registered charity that wants to see it being used by young people all over the world to learn programming. He's responsible for the overall software and hardware architecture of the device. It's hoped that this tiny machine will help to reignite interest in computer science in schools and colleges. That's a topic that's been worrying Dr Upton and his colleagues at Cambridge Computer Laboratory for some time. About five years ago, some of us there realised that every year the number of students, uh, the number of 17, 18-year-olds who were applying to read computer science was declining year on year from a peak of maybe 500 a year uh, for 80 places, 500 people applying for 80 places in the mid-1990s. Uh, down to maybe 250 people five years ago uh, for the same kind of number of places. And simultaneously, the kinds of things that those as young people knew what to do when they came in the door, that was declining as well. So we'd gone from an environment where you could assume that everyone had done some programming, that everyone had done uh, you know, maybe fairly sophisticated programming, assembly language programming, graphics programming maybe, in 1995, uh, to an environment where many of the people we were admitting uh, had only maybe done a little bit of uh, web design, you know, maybe a little bit of web programming if we were lucky. And of course, this is a real problem for us. It's a problem for the university because the university uh, it wants to find a good supply of, uh, of of potential candidates, and it doesn't want to have to potentially it doesn't want to have to spend time in the first year bringing people up to speed. It's good to be able to you know, you've got a three year course, so it's good to be able to you know start nice and quickly. Three years after, it's a problem for the university. It's a problem for industry. Right, because you know a decline in the number or the skill set of uh, applicants turns into a decline in the number or skill set of graduates, um, and so a number of people I know in the Cambridge area have also been experiencing this in the uh, graduate recruitment area. People find themselves hiring more and more people in their thirties, uh, and not so many twenty-one year olds. You look around in a company these days, and there are there just aren't the number of young people that you would expect given the size of the uh, the UK IT industry. Who's Raspberry Pi aimed at? We originally aimed uh, Raspberry Pi at children. Obviously, the goal was to increase the number of applicants uh, for computer science at university, so children are the obvious, the obvious target. I think after we, after we announced, uh, the news about this got out in May of 2011, after we announced, we found that there were two other markets that we, we hadn't originally anticipated. One of them is, I guess, what you could call the hacking community, or sometimes called the maker community. So these are adults, maybe people from 20 up, uh, who already know a little bit about technology and want to uh, you know, want to build projects. And this is a large and vibrant community already. There are uh, platforms like, uh, there's a platform called Arduino, which comes out of Italy. There's a platform called BeagleBoard, uh, which, uh, which comes out of the US. And those are both very popular uh, among these people. And I think people, saw, people in that community saw Raspberry Pi as a way of getting uh, a BeagleBoard-like feature set. So this is a device that sells for $150.00. Uh, at a kind of Arduino price point, and we have a very similar price point to, to this Arduino. So it was kind of the best of both worlds, something which, which was both very capable and also very cheap. 
So that's one of the two markets. The other market that I guess we should have anticipated was the developing world market. Uh, we've had an enormous amount of interest, uh, particularly from, uh, from the BRIC countries. We've had a lot of interest from Russia. Uh, we've had a lot of interest from Brazil. Uh, a little bit less maybe from India and from China. Uh, and then a lot of interest from, from Africa as well uh, and other parts of South America. A lot of interest from sub-Saharan Africa. People who, are, who see this as a way of in communities where there are already televisions. There are a lot of places in the world where people have televisions but they don't necessarily have computers. And just as in the 1980s, something like a Commodore 64 or a ZX Spectrum, you could see that as a machine for turning your television, which you already own, into a computer. People see us in the same way because we're designed to plug into a television and use a television as a, as a display device. It must have been very frustrating for you, sitting there waiting for everything to click into place, ready to press the button to go, yet you were in the middle of your EMBA course at Cambridge Judge Business School. The Raspberry Pi Foundation, uh, we, we established that, I think, back in 2008, because this is an idea that's been kicking around for you know, quite a while. This is an idea which, I guess, comes from the end of my PhD, which was back in, again, at Cambridge back in 2006. So we had the foundation, and we kind of had this idea of what we wanted to do. Uh, and, in fact, I first heard about the, uh, the, the possibility of doing an exec MBA uh, at the judge uh, from, one of, uh, from one of my fellow board members at a foundation board meeting. I'd expressed a desire to do an executive MBA, but I, I uh, uh, didn't think that there was one close enough to, to where I'm based uh, or, the, or that had the... Uh, that had the kind of features I was interested in. And actually, fortunately, one of my fellow trustees is a lecturer here, here on the, uh, the, at the business school. And he said, well, we're, we've been doing this MBA for 20 years. Uh, why don't you, and we're just about to start this exec MBA, why don't you apply for the, uh, the inaugural year? So, yeah, um, I guess going into the MBA, um, I didn't really, we had this idea. We had, I guess, the technical capabilities. But one of the things that was missing really was perhaps some of the, some of the ways of thinking about how to turn that into a into an actual business. I've done a little bit, bit of business in the past, but certainly nothing in this kind of volume manufacture of physical devices. I've done software business in the past. But one of the things that um, the Exec MBA course uh, helped me to uh, helped me to understand was kind of just just to think about what we were doing in a more structured way, you know, rather than just muddling through, thinking about how we develop the brand for the device, thinking about how we work with partners. You know, thinking about how we deal with some of the challenges that come with being a not-for-profit and therefore being restricted in the ways that you can raise capital at the same time as trying to get a very, very large number of devices out into the wild. So you're ready now to go into production? It's going to be, it's, I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be very exciting. You, know, you, you, sit, you find yourself, I guess, when you're, certainly for me, on, on the course. I found myself getting maybe halfway through the course and feeling kind of like, you know, I had this idea and now feeling I have enough enough knowledge to, to, to do something about it. I'm just kind of sitting there, kind of kind of chafing to get going on the, on the project. Um, this was something where the exec course finished in April of uh, 2011, and then we rolled straight into this in May. Are you disappointed that you're not manufacturing it in the UK? I know you wanted to at the outset, but you're, you're having to go to China. For the first six months, we'd very much hoped that we were going to be able to manufacture this in the UK. We put in an enormous amount of effort into cost optimizing the design to make sure that we that we could do that. But I think what became apparent to us maybe in November, October, November of last year, was that the entire global supply chain is set up to support manufacturing finished goods, particularly finished electronics goods, in southern China. So all of the components are there, all the suppliers are located there. If you do try and manufacture somewhere else, what you find is that you are, you are air freighting in or, or sea freighting in components from southern China anyway, 
So your lead times go up, your costs go up. And I think in the end what we discovered was that the volumes we're talking about here, if you, we could just about manage manufacturing in the UK at zero margin. So we could, manu- we could manufacture in the UK, but we wouldn't make any money on the devices at all. Now, it's not necessarily a disaster because there are other things you can do. You know, there are other sources of revenue you can appeal to. But it did feel like that wasn't, a, that, that wasn't going to be sustainable. That wasn't going to allow the foundation to pursue its, its educational goals because producing the hardware is only one part of what the foundation is trying to do, right? It's actually the foundation's stated goal is to, is to, promote, is to promote education and the the hardware is a, is a means is a means to an end. No, but yeah, it is it is it is a disappointment because it had been one of the I guess one of our secondary goals had been to be able to do that. And it's been a shame we've not been able to. A final point: the two models, one at sixteen pounds and one at twenty two pounds. Is this just the start? We're always very very careful not to discuss future products. The industry is littered with the remains of companies that talked up future products and and, and killed their current set of products. Obviously, we would like to keep going. We have a device which is extremely capable in a lot of areas. It's extremely good at multimedia, so it's extremely good at graphics, it's extremely good at video. Uh, I think we would like to see products in the future which perhaps start to approach the performance of a modern desktop PC. I think that that's in in this kind of price range. I think in a few years' time, I think that that's extremely achievable. I think we'll, we'll have to you know we'll have to wait and see. We certainly have nothing on the horizon in uh, in 2012. I can say that much. Eben Upton, thank you very much. This programme was produced by the Cambridge Judge Business School as part of its online broadcast series.